I remember uh, there was a time when, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, that literally, if I'm not mistaken, Dave would have to correct me, I think five or six heating and air conditioning units, or if they're the same or different, I'm not sure, all went down at the same time, literally. And, you know, maintenance is one thing. It's, it's one thing to see a parking lot that we know, and literally we're down to seven years, is going to need an entire recoat at $126,000. However, that was good. They told us 10 years ago. So you can start seeing what's going to happen, right, and when that happens. And uh, it, mom literally came up, and she said, the Spirit of the Lord told me, that we're going to take an offering today. And I'm like, we're not prepared for that. We don't have this. We don't have that, blah, blah, She says, stop. I'm telling you, God said today. That is the largest offering other than paying off our building over in an old building. We raised $74,000 for heaters. And to this day, that is sitting in an account. And every time Dave has a heater, there it goes. There it goes. There it goes. And then we had a church member come in and she said, I want you to see this because this is what my little boy has been praying. And he was in this service when that offering was taken and he prayed, he wasn't very old, he couldn't write out furnace, but he said, Lord, help my church with their vents and then signed it and put it in the offering because all he could do was pray. I have that still hanging on my board to this day because I'm telling you, prayer in your life situation changes what nothing else can. That boy didn't have anything to give, but he had something he could give and that was prayer. And so don't say all I have to give is prayer. Your prayer and joining your faith with what the church needs is amazing. And thank you for your prayer and your gifts, amen? All right, well, today we're gonna continue our series on the good news. Some of you are saying, well, my pastor's not in the pulpit, so that's not good news. Well, the good news is he's resting and he's gonna be resting, and it's a good thing for him to get some rest, amen? 48 hours on a plane, and then coming into Easter morning, it was time for him to take a break. So him and mom are gonna get some rest, all right? So, but I'm gonna bring a good word, trust me. It's not just the person that brings it, but it's the Holy Spirit who gives the word, and then I'm gonna be obedient, amen? So before we get started, I want to pray in order to check where everything else is gonna to go today. It's setting our mind under his authority, amen? Father, I just come before you, and I just ask you, Lord, today, Father, that I humble myself before you. And I ask you, Lord, that you would use me as your instrument. Father, that your thoughts would be my thoughts, that your words would be mine. God, I give you my body, my mind, and my thoughts. Father, use me as you will. And Father, I ask that everyone under the sound of my voice today, Father, that before the Lord would return in all of his glory, Father, that each and every one would be given an opportunity to receive you as their personal savior. Father, and that they would say yes to the invitation. Father, work on the heart of man, for it is you who prepares it, Father, that it might be harvested. Father, I thank you that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would work amongst this people today. Father, convict us where you need us convicted. Father, give us grace. Minister your word to us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. I am amongst a bunch of kingdom shakers. I am amongst only believed church who believes that they are a part of the greatest end time church that ever lived. God didn't save his best for the first, he saved his best for last. And I believe that that is you and I. Not because he thought we could do it, not because he hoped we could do it, but because he has faith in you and I that we will answer the call of God upon our life and deliver 
that purpose which you and I were born for. Amen? I proclaim that over your life today. If you're new to Only Believe, we began a series last couple weeks ago called The Good News, and we found out that the good news is Jesus. The good news is the gospel. It's the news of salvation, a story containing God's intervention into man's life. It's our liberation from sin and sickness and disease and a freedom, a freedom that the world does not know because they're broken and estranged from God. But you and I, because of Jesus and because God sent him to die on the cross, which was our greatest celebration last week, amen, to bring back, to reconcile us and bring what was meant to be perfect but then was broken by disobedience, to bring you and I back so that we could be righteous in his eyes and back with Christ. Now there's no longer a death and hell for eternity for you and I, but there's an earthly death, but a resurrection which we will spend eternity in heaven with Christ, amen. That's the good news. The good news that Jesus came to save you and I, and it doesn't matter how far down into sin you've gone, how far into its hold and its grip, God's redeemed you and saved you from that curse. And that you can have salvation today if you choose. Mark 1.14, Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come near. When he says this, he's with man. But now we know that the kingdom of God is here. It's not come near, it's here, it's in you and I. Repent and believe the good news. You that are saved, that are here today, you're no longer citizens of this world. You are citizens of heaven. And simply put, you and I are to live out our mission on this earth and pass through this life and do what God's asked us to do so that we can get to our true kingdom because we're only on borrowed time. So therefore, we're not supposed to get caught up in the things of this world like Brother Eric was talking about during the offering. We're not to get caught up in the events of this world. I'm not saying that you don't stand up for injustice. I'm not saying that abortion isn't an event in America. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you are not to be caught up in the events of this life which take you away from your kingdom purpose. Your kingdom is that kingdom and his purpose. And that's the purpose you are to be fighting. And don't get caught up into the desires of this world. These are all meant to distract you while you're here on this kingdom doing that kingdom's work. There's lots of kingdoms in this earth. Kingdom of money, kingdom of sin, kingdom of poverty, kingdom of want. You name it, it's here. There's a kingdom for everything. But we're about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God has come to earth and lives now in the man's heart. And it begins a transformation process in our lives. A course of events in which God begins to act or govern and have complete authority in our life. And then he's known as our king, as our Lord in our life. Romans 12 reminds of this 
not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be ye transformed. That transformation means be renovated, take a metamorphosis into the Christ-likeness of Jesus. That's you and I. We are meant to change. We are not meant to stay the same. And if we're staying the same, then Romans 12 is not active in our life. And we got to get it back active. And we got to submit ourselves and humble ourselves underneath his hand so that we can renew our minds according to what he wants. And in review, the last part is the good news is not just a good idea. It's not to be confused with good advice. The good news is the answer. Someone say answer. To man's imperfection and the need of a savior, a gift to you and I that cannot be earned. It's freely given. If you could transform yourself on your own, then every better help section in the library would be empty and those books would be working. They don't work because the Holy Spirit through the working of his word is the only one that can transform a man's heart and his mind to believe that he is something that he is not, that he is something that God has made and purposed for the kingdom of heaven. That's it. There's nothing you and I can do. Doesn't matter how much penance, don't matter how much prayer, don't matter how many Hail Marys. I'm just being honest. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. That was last week. Now we're gonna go on to this week. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 4, 24. And we're gonna start, trust me, it is good news. I'm telling you, I laid a lot out, but I wanted to catch all of you that maybe had not been here up to speed and remind all of us because we can hear it seven times before it even sinks in. Matthew 4, 24. It says, right here, it says, uh, let's go to 23. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed and those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Jesus went through proclaiming. That word proclaiming means hear this, hear this. He brought it forth with strong conviction and emphasis on what he was saying. The good news he proclaimed was that the kingdom was to bring freedom and liberation for you and I, and it was available to everyone everyone. It didn't matter your social status. It didn't matter your race. It didn't matter if your bank account had a dollar or a hundred million dollars. It didn't matter whether you were male or female. It didn't matter what your nationality was. It didn't matter who your parents were. It was for everyone. Not only did he proclaim this good news, but in this scripture, we see he demonstrated the good news. He demonstrated so that those that did not believe what he was saying would believe what they had saw and go, oh my goodness, how would he be able to do that if it wasn't true? 
that he really is the Savior and that he came to liberate us from captivity and from this sin. And they watched what was demonstrated and then they believed. He doesn't just show us, he then commands us. Let's go to Mark, the 16th chapter. I'm going to give you guys some scripture today, so get your fingers and work in order. Because it's scripture upon scripture that is present to show what's going on here. And I'm going to read this same idea, the same... Um, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all the gospels, they call them, not to be interfered with what we're talking about. Yes, it's the good news, but they're called the gospels because they contain the good news of Jesus. Because in each gospel, it's pretty much the same story by four different people's view. So it'd be me, David, Trisha, and Miss Ella all saw the same things take place and then we wrote about what we perceived that went on. So it went through our filter and then was written to man. And the Holy Spirit used it and said, this is what I want them to know. I don't want them to just know Matthew's perspective. I don't want them just to know Mark's perspective. I don't want them just to know Luke's. I want them to know all four. That proves that God made each of you and I an individual and he likes it different. He likes your perception. The way you think, he put it there. The way you perceive what happens, he made it there. Your design equals your destiny. Love who you are. Love who you are. Because chances are God's going to use every dark part and every bright part of your life. He don't care that it's dark. He don't care. He's going to make it around Saul to Paul. Saul to Paul. I'm a murderer of Christians. Now I'm a teacher and two-thirds of the Bible I write to the Christian to teach them. Doesn't God have a crazy way of working? So, we're going to read both. Here's what it says. Mark 16, 19. I'm going to go, uh, yeah, to 19. Let me find this here in my Bible. Sorry. Is that right? Yeah, 16, 19. I'm, I'm working here. These letters are real small. Let's go to 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The good news. Preach the good news. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name they will drive out demons they will speak in new tongues they will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well now let's go to Matthew 28:16 the next one same same idea different perception okay keep that in mind so here we are then the 11 disciples went to Galilee with the mount to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the church age. 
that Jesus was talking about. He's preparing them that I'm telling you that he's now, he's died, he's rose again, and for 40 days he walks around. And this is what he says in both gospels after he's walking around to his disciples. Now, I'm already hearing some of you say, now, wait a minute. Miss Nicole, I'm not a disciple. He was speaking this to the 11 disciples. No, you are a disciple. The Bible says that a disciple is a learner of the gospel, a follower of Jesus Christ. So nice try, you're not exempted from this command. Unfortunately, here's, the, here's what happens. Once we receive liberation from our sin, now we think it's over and we're done. Your liberation from sin says you don't pay a price for the sins that you committed. However, you will be adjudged according to the work that you've done according to the Bible. Faith without works is dead. So you and I have just been commanded by Jesus. He didn't command anything, first of all, that he didn't do. No parent asks their kids to walk something they've never done before themselves. Here's where we are. Jesus walks it out. He shows us. He shares the good news. They accept it. They receive it. And now he commands them. You and I have been shown. We've watched it demonstrated. And now we've been commanded to go. This is the responsibility. And when we get to heaven, you will be judged according to what you have done to complete this assignment. And I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to tell you what your test is going to look like when you get there. Because we're all going to be judged according. That's the issue. And sometimes we think that Jesus coming to the cross and paying the price for our sin exempts us from anything else. And we don't have to do anything because now I'm going to heaven and that's all that matters. How you live your life matters. How you treat others matters. Listen, this is the word evangelism. This is where it comes from. This is what I hear all the time, all the time. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I hear your hesitation. I hear your apprehension. I know that sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. I have had a conversation with a, I'll just say it, Trish, in the church. I've said, Trish, I need to sit down and talk with you. There's some things that I'm finding as I'm sharing the gospel that I start to back off of and I start to get a little nervous. She's like, oh, that's all right. I'm gonna show you some things. This is good. This, this is something that we've been asked to do. But if you don't do it, you won't get any better at it. We got to stop shying away from the things we're fearful of and just walk towards it in faith. God's got this. God's got this. I am a disciple. Here's the thing. It's real simple. As a follower of Jesus or a disciple, I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell my story of what Jesus did for me, and I'm going to interweave the story of the cross. It's that simple. It's coworkers, it's neighbors, it's friends. It's the same checkout lady at Meyer every week. She just thinks I like the way she bags my groceries, although I do. She doesn't put my raspberries on the bottom of the bag. I know, when you get older, that matters. When you're younger, it just don't matter. You put smashed raspberries on top of your cake. But when you're old, I don't want them smashed. Anyways, 
evangelism. I'm going to give you some simple applications at the end of the service, okay? And I want you to be ready with a pencil. Ready writer, writing them down because it's going to be important. But in the meantime, let's go to Acts 1, 3 through 9. For those of you that don't know, it's Acts because this is where the Acts of the Holy Spirit came into play. The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you think that if you were on your deathbed and dying, that what you would say would probably be the things you wanted people to remember? Anybody? Okay. I've thought of what I would say to my children in those last days. I'm not sure yet. Anyways, here's what it says. This is the book of Acts, and this is right before Jesus ascends to heaven. So I would assume that what he's saying is very, very important, okay? After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's the gift. Jesus can't be talking about himself because he's already gone to the cross and become the gift of sacrifice. So he's now talking about the gift that's coming after, which is the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Can I just say, yet again, the disciples are insistent that God is coming to set up a kingdom that's going to rule and reign over their president, their governors, their senators, and set up as king like King Solomon, King David, and restore the earthly tabernacle the way it was. And Jesus is like, for real? How many times have I told you? But I'm gonna tell you again. They were, here's what he said. He said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. In other words, I'm gonna ignore what you said. I'm gonna go right back to what I was telling you before because the kingdom is not gonna change on this earth. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth in you, through you, and by you. It's your job to do what I've commissioned you to do. And when you do, the earth will see who I am. They will have a choice to decide and they will either go with us or they will stay here. End of story. That's the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom. But the disciples were really confused. They're like, we thought you were going to be king. King of my heart. King of my life. King of my movements. King of my actions. This is why when you don't move and act like Jesus, the world don't want the church. They don't see Jesus when we aren't exhibiting the fruits of his spirit. But you will receive power when, not if, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of this earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. We are his witnesses. What you have witnessed, what you have seen Jesus do in your life, like a witness on a stand in a courtroom. What does the witness do? The witness tells what it saw. I saw a man come into the house, open the door from my bedroom window, and I was watching the neighbors. Don't watch your neighbors, that's a little creepy, but I'm just using this example. I heard a car, then I heard two gunshots go off. What did you witness Jesus do? What did you see him do in your life, in your neighbor's life, in your child's life, in your mother and father's life? I saw it. I saw what God did and you can't change my mind. No one can argue what you saw. And if you're living a good life, which is righteous and holy, then there's no one that can come against your character and say that you're not worthy to be a witness because you're living in sin. If you're living a right life, if you're living what is holy, what is pure, sanctify yourself, come out from the world and raise to a standard that they want to aspire to. And when you do what you say will have a power of influence and begin to break things off of people's lives because they'll say, I don't know what's different about them, but something is different. That's what happens when you become a witness. It says you will, you will receive power. The spirit of the Holy Spirit comes inside us. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This is the empowerment, the tool belt, as if it were to become his witness. Some of you are a little leery of the nine gifts of the spirit. Some of you are a little concerned about how you look and what you sound like when you pray in tongues in church. Let me tell you something. That equipment is a supernatural equipment with nine tools in its belt, which gives you the ability and the power to work out your life, to go through this life and to evangelize the world. You will receive power and be my witnesses. Are you kidding? He's telling us exactly that I'm going to give you the spiritual equipment to get my job, kingdom of heaven's purpose and job done on this earth. I'm going to give you the power to witness to your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your families, and you will be my witnesses all over the world until the end of the age has come. That's it, that's it. This is known, this is known as the commission. You have been commissioned to go and do. This isn't a suggestion. It says you will. You will receive power to go do what I've asked you to do. See, it's not just that you will receive the power so your life can be changed. But so theirs can be too. It's for others too. 
The good news story shapes our life and my story. Every single day, I'm apprehending what the word says for my own life story. And we all know we all have a story to tell. But the good news is shaping your life story so that you will then tell the good news to someone else and shape theirs. As one, as one girl in the church says, it's a ripple effect. One drop, one drop of blood changed my life and changes more and more and more. Have you ever seen it? I dare you. Go to a pond and throw one rock in and watch how far the ripple effect goes. Because this is what God in your life will do to others. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do this, to share and proclaim. It is the story of the cross for the lost and the broken. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 9. And I'm actually going to read this in another translation. I'm going to read this out of the NLT today. I actually have a comparison Bible. And I thought this just spoke so beautifully, so beautifully. Here's what it says. 5, 9. And it says... So whether we are here in this body or away from, there's so much scripture prior. The bottom line is, is that you can see they're writing this letter to the church of Corinth, but read up ahead, but where we're headed, it's not, I'm not gonna miss anything out. I'm just letting you know, I'm staying in context. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Him is God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, for we all stand before Christ to be judged. This is what I was talking to you about earlier. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Okay, go on to verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, whew, did you hear me? What are we in fear of? What we just read prior, judgment and hearing that we didn't do it right, that we didn't have the heart of Christ to the world. We had the heart of Christ for me and mine, but we didn't have the heart of Christ for anyone else because we were too shy. We weren't called to be an evangelist. This isn't my job. That's the pastor's job. Sheep beget sheep. Pastors teach the sheep, but pastors do lead by example. And that's what we're going to do our best to do for you. To the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. Persuade others of what? The gospel. The gospel. God knows we are sincere. And I hope you know this too. Remember, this is a letter being written to the church. So from church apostle over the church, writing it to the church. So I hope you know this too. Go on down to 14th. It says, either way, Christ loves controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, everyone, every race, every size, every gender, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Oh, that's tough. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. In other words, I won't live for my kingdom here on earth. I'll live for God's kingdom in me on this earth. I'll live according to his purpose, not what I wanna do, not what I think I gotta get accomplished, but what he wants me to accomplish while I'm here on this earth. 
go on down to uh, 17. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun, exclamation point. And all of this is a gift from God, right? Jesus, that's what it's talking about. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. We were once separated, now we're not. And God has given us this task. Anyone grunting right now? Anyone going, oh my gosh, she's not gonna get off this. Yeah, you're right, I'm not. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right through Christ. Whew, that don't have no word of evangelist in it. That don't have no apostle in it. That has everything to do with because you were reconciled, you're gonna go get others and tell them they can be reconciled. Two. Amen. Amen. And I understand, listen, I am, I truly by nature, I am an introvert. I promise you I could live in my house as long as my needs were met and never go out if I didn't have to. Because when I go out there, I have to deal with all of that. And sometimes I'm just grouchy. I'm just going to say that. I'm just grouchy and I have to be nice. You all know what I'm saying. You have your off days. I may have more than you do, but you have an off day. Don't act like you're all nice all the time. It's not possible. Even Randy who wakes up happy in the morning and goes to bed at night happy. He doesn't even wait for an hour before he starts talking in the morning. I promise you. It's constant. But as my mom says, it's talking to hear your head rattle. It's not like we're communicating. Do you know what I'm saying? It's talking. I know, I know. Anyways, according to what we just read, we should be more concerned about pleasing him in the day of judgment than we should be concerned about our own comfort level, our time, and our purpose. Does everyone agree with that? Amen. I know it's easier said than done though, right? So let's go to Matthew 9.35. I told you your fingers are going to be hurting by the time we're done. What's good? Here's what it says. Jesus gives us the great example. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Wow. Here's what I noticed. First of all, let me say this. Do we go town to town preaching the gospel with a megaphone on the street corner in America today? 
Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. The methods of the Bible have changed. I don't wear a robe like Jesus. I don't wear sandals. I don't do the things that they did back then. However, the message of Jesus has never, will never, and can never change. But the method in which we deliver the message can. I promise you right now, if you went door to door in this town, only maybe five to seven of the 564 houses in Bakken's would open their door to you. Do you wanna know why? Home invasion, number one, Elderly people are afraid to open their door. They think you're coming to rob them. People don't like, do, how many of you answer the telephone when it says blocked caller? You, you ain't nobody, you wanna know why? You hire a robo app to deal with it because you don't wanna deal with the salesman. No one wants a salesman coming to their door these days. No one is gonna stop eating dinner so they can answer the door. They all have a ring doorbell and they can see who's at the door. And the second they think you look like you're selling the gospel, chances are they're not gonna answer the door. So I know that the method might not work in every city like that, but the message of Jesus works the same. It never loses its power. Never, never, never. But the motivation of this scripture is key. Because here's what happens. It says, Jesus made evangelism a priority. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. Listen, this is what it is. You and I are not meant to be passengers on a cruise ship testing out our own comfort. We are meant to be a crew of a cruise ship out in the boats with dinghies trying to save those who are dying and drowning in sin. Some of us have got caught up. We're on the cruise ship thinking it's for our enjoyment. Get in the raft boat, get yourself a little dirty. There's gonna get some seawater on you and you're gonna smell like a dirty fish. It's all right because you're capturing fish that are dying and you're putting them in your boat and they're gonna rest on the cruise ship for a little bit so they can get their brokenness healed and their problems fixed. And then when they get fixed, they're getting out in a dinghy boat with you and they're gonna calm down and you're gonna teach them how to fish for fish. And you're gonna say, see that person, they're drowning in brokenness. Come on, come over here. God can help you. Jesus went to the cross for your sin. Get in, let us help you. Oh, but I'm afraid everyone will laugh at me. No, no, get in the boat. It's okay, Jesus came to help you. And so did we. We are his ambassadors. Come on, come back. Come back to Jesus. He loves you. He's not mad at you. Come back. Priority has to be an evangelism in your and I's life. Compassion moved Jesus. It moved him. It said, and it, it it has to move us. The fact that we can walk by drowning people every day is a struggle. You understand that if the kingdom of God is in you and I, who's the king of that kingdom? Jesus. Jesus was moved by compassion. So you and I 
must be moved by compassion as well. You see? But when we're caught up in a different kingdom, when we're caught up with the things to do on our list, when we're caught up with our own kingdom sinking, let me be honest with you, some of us have struggles in our own families. It appears that our kingdom is sinking and what we thought we built on the solid rock looks like it's wavering. I'm here to tell you that your family's not gonna die. It's gonna be fine. God's got them. He's gonna save it. And though it may look like everything's shifting, the rock that you stand on will not. No matter what, they're gonna be fine. But don't stop the purpose of God. All these are distractions meant to get you off your purpose and for you to think, that you've been doing this all wrong, you ain't, you're doing it all right, or the devil wouldn't be attacking you so bad. I'm just telling you, stay the course. Stay the course. I dare you to go get somebody saved, bring them into the kingdom, and watch a devil really get mad. Really get mad. If I told you what's let loose in my family in the last three weeks, you would pass out, because I about did. Woo! Do you get frustrated with a sinner when you see their sin? SMH. And you lift up your nose and walk. For all of you older generation, SMH. That's what that means in social media. I don't know how I know that. I have kids. I'm just saying. Do you walk by and you're like, "Mm." he just grates on you and you're like, you need to get your act together. That's not compassion. That's not compassion. That's judgment. Remember, God sent Jesus to save the world, not condemn it. They already are condemned for what they're doing wrong. They know what they're doing is wrong. They don't have to have someone tell them they're doing it wrong. They know. See, when we see them like Jesus did, he said he looked at them and said they were like harassed sheep without a shepherd. You ever seen a sheep out? out, I've never seen a sheep. I had a dog. I had a wolf dog. Stupid idea, stupid idea. Any of you young kids that think you know you can take the wild out of something, you can't love it out. It's wild, just something you know. I had a, this dog. It looked like a sheep. It was bigger than sheep. When it peed, it peed on the top of my car, the hood of my car. That's how tall this dog was when it hiked its leg. This dog was huge, but he was so dumb, he didn't understand that he could jump over a four-foot privacy fence. Dumber, dumber than a box of rocks. Anyways, he was a sheep herder. This is what this dog did, Okay. And he was a sheep herder, but the flies would eat his ears, eat his ears. And I had to put this medicine on his ears that would stop the flies from eating. If I didn't, his ear, I'm not kidding you, the sores are tremendous on a dog that lives outside and what can do. Imagine when Jesus says they were harassed sheep, the enemy constantly. David, for the rest of your life, you got to shake your head. Go ahead, shake it. Get me off, get me off, get me off, get me off. Harassed, day and night, day and night, harassed by the devil, harassed by something coming to take him, harassed and aggravating, and all he needed to say was, stop! This is my sheep, get off of him. That's it. God put some salve on his ears and gave the man peace. Jesus saw them as being harassed by the enemy shepherdless and lost. Do you know that if a sheep gets wet and isn't sheared, the weight of the water will tip him over and he cannot get up. 
they have to call the shepherd and two people have to physically pick him up and put him on his feet. What? Because you were never meant to carry the weight. You were never meant to carry the burden. And all the devil does sometimes is when life gets rough, push you right over. There you are. Help! Help! And the great and mighty shepherd comes to your rescue. Says, I got you. I got you. This isn't yours to carry. Let me take the weight. And shaves and shears you so that the water begins to roll off your back. Life's problems, life's struggles begin to just roll off you. No longer are you holding that weight because he's carrying it. He's carrying it. And he's going to take the weight of what he shoved off you, what he sheared off you, and he's going to turn it into something beautiful. He's going to turn it into a big old wool blanket that when it rains, it'll be draped over you and stop the enemy's plan for your life. This is who he is. But it's got to move you and I the same way. We literally walk by. We all know sheep that have lost their way. And they're out there laying and we walk by, and they're saying, help. And you're like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And you keep walking on by. No. Stand them up. Put a noose around their necks. You're going to have to drag them to the shepherd. I'm just telling you, some of these people, you got to drag to where they're going. Because they're ashamed. They're broken. They need liberated and freedom. And then the last was we were to Pray. Pray that we send the workers. Pray. Romans 10, 9 through 15. I'm going to speed this up because I want to get you out here a decent hour. Can you imagine having the best kept secret in the world and not sharing it? Can you only imagine? Because the book of Romans says that how, how, how will they hear? Hmm. Here's what it says. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? This is not talking about the preaching gift. This is talk about the gospel being shared. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? We were sent back in Mark and we were sent back in Matthew. I didn't even live and look at Luke and John. What I'm telling you is it says go and make disciples. Go and get people to follow after my likeness. Go and teach people the way of my kingdom, of my kingdom. Because when you do, they will be liberated from their sin. Their brokenness will be repaired. And they will spend an eternity with me. God's message is good. It says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have the answer for all of mankind. And it's not the best kept secret. It's meant to be proclaimed. But if you and I believe the lie of the devil, we will hoard it in our heart 
we will believe that they don't want to hear about the greatest answer. The devil lies to you and tells you they will reject you. Look, I don't like to be rejected any more than you like to be rejected, but I am not gonna be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the rejection that the world puts to rejecting it. I don't care. And there comes a point that the church has to get to a place that believes and loves those who are dying and lost enough that you will make yourself uncomfortable and that you would get a little bit of strength in your back, stand up tall, and when they look at you and say, I don't want your Jesus, that you dust off your feet and you keep on walking. That's what the Bible says. But we don't, we get broken. We get downcast and we believe that the devil starts telling us, no one wants to hear your Jesus. Nobody wants to hear about it. This world's just gone to you know what in a basket. No, it's not. No, it's not. And even if it had, I don't care. The commission is the same. Go ye, go ye, and you are ye. I am ye, we are all ye. Go ye into the world and preach the gospel. When you open your door and put your foot on the ground, that is the world. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to travel around 50 hours like Pastor Dosik does. Pastor Dosik's doing the international travel, that's amazing. And some are called to do that. I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm called to the soccer stand. I'm called to the grocery store. I'm called to the baseball dugout if that's what it takes. I'm called to the coaches that coach my kids. I'm called to the postman. I'm called wherever I can get them. I'm called to the people in my phone in this Rolodex that are not saved. I'm called to the family members that were once saved that are not and need to come back home. If we would all just start there, we could change the world. So here's what I'm gonna give you. I think we all get fearful sometimes. And let me remind you, when the Holy Ghost empowered you, There were nine supernatural gifts that he gave you. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, it says that the fruits of the Spirit will be present in your life. I'm sure a lot of you learned these in Sunday school. Love, patience, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. These are relationship fruits. In other words, David, if I'm gonna really be in relationship with you, I got to show all of these gifts in my life or things might get a little sticky between you and I. Because when I say what I really want to say to you, that's not going to be exhibiting self-control. And then you're going to be hurt, you're going to be offended, you're going to be mad, and now we've got to repair that, right? Same way with the world. When you are evangelizing, when you are sharing, when you are proclaiming, these gifts of the Spirit must be present. And oftentimes we get nervous when we think we have to argue The Bible. I got a real good one for you, really? I don't know. That's my answer, I don't know. What? Let me tell you what I do know. I know that this is what Jesus did in my life. I know that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That's what, we think we have to have the answer to every doctrinal theory out there. You do not. You're a witness, not a theologian. You're a witness to what Jesus did for you. So here's my four points and I close. One, we must accept personal responsibility. 
Remember 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We have a fearful responsibility to work hard to persuade others. Fearful responsibility. God has placed each and every one of you in a sphere of people that I'm never in. David, you're where you work because God trusted that you would share the gospel with every man and woman around you in that workplace, even the hard ones. Bill, God placed you. Well, wait, you're retired. Oh, you're, oh okay, okay, I was just gonna say, if not, you're free to go wherever you want. You got a bigger responsibility. People think retirement means quiet. No, but that means now you get about Jesus' business 100% of the time, right? Although I am thankful for those of you that are evangelizing Florida in your retirement years. I'm very appreciative to you. Hold down the fort till we get there, amen? Just kidding. All right, so God's believing in you to evangelize that area. Number two, build relationships. People are looking for a friend, not an argument. They're not looking for an argument. No one is looking for an argument unless you're on talk radio. They're all looking for it. People don't wanna know what you know. They wanna know you care. That's it. They wanna know you care. Compassion, care about what they're going through. Care that their child died by suicide or that someone they knew is sick in the hospital. Three, share your personal story. Look for an opportunity because once they hear, they can believe. They don't need you to say, I want you to know you're going to hell and let me tell you my story. The worst thing you can do is stand on the street corner and hold a sign and say, repent, you're going to hell. I'm sorry, that's not gonna work in this day and age. The method is different, but the message is the same. But I can say, hey, David, I notice you've been struggling. Well, let me tell you what God did for me. I gotta be honest with you. I was in sin, steeped in it, deeper than you ever thought I could go. But I'm telling you, all Jesus asked me to do is just repent, turn from your way and come to me. I'll help you. Repent. You're going to hell. I said the same thing in a nice way, kindness, gentleness, love, everything else in it. But we don't. We think that they need to know what they're doing wrong. Oh, they know. Trust me. That's why they're doing it. They're already condemned and convicted. Be a witness. And number four, give an invitation. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you don't feel confident enough today to give a sinner's prayer invitation to someone or to help them recommit their life, that's okay. Give them an invitation to your church because I'm telling you, this right here, I promise you, every week we're gonna do our best to invite and have an altar call right here at this altar that says, if you feel that you've missed Jesus, you wanna come back home, then come home. And I'm gonna do it with love, compassion, gentleness, long-suffering, meekness, and self-control. You get them here. You get them here. We'll throw the net. Don't you worry. And we're going to make you proud. We're going to make you proud as a church. You're going to say, that's my church. That's my church. Yeah, harvesting what you brought in. Come on. Church, this is not hard. But I'm telling you, people are saying by the droves, the church is dying. Church is dying. Church is dying. You know what? God will hold the church off until he comes, but God will not grow the church until he comes. That is your job. That is your job. It is you and me. And if the church is dying, then it is at one hand's responsibility. 
and that is you and I. I'm being honest with you. Jesus didn't say, I come to do it all. He said, I came to give you life and you more abundantly. Go, go ye and do what I've asked you to do. Amen? Stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Father, we consider the good news an amazing thing. We're grateful, Lord, that we have received this good news. But God, it's not enough that we've received the good news for ourselves, but that you've commissioned us to go and bring others in with the task, as the NLT says it, the task. Father, let us count what you count important, important. Let us see what you see when we walk into the sea of Walmart. The sheep with the flies tormenting them. People that maybe have not even come into the fold yet, just broken and lost, looking for the way. There's a supernatural world in front of us that we cannot see. God, make us aware of what's happening. We're so caught up in our own way, so caught up in our own kingdom, building a bigger house, building a better life, making sure our kids are on track. God, I wanna be about what you want us to be about, your purpose, your plan. For I know this life is a vapor. Help us, Lord. I know that the word sown today will not return void. I know that our methods look different today. Speak to us, God, about those methods. I know we don't need the megaphone anymore. But teach me how to do it with love and kindness. Still telling that the gospel is true and that it's the only way to get to heaven. Not by our good works. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice this week that maybe you've gone away and you've said, Nicole, I mean, you're describing that sheep on the side and, and I've been living in a cave and my wool's so big I can't even see. But I need help, man, I need help. I need someone to help me get through this period of life because I'm just failing. This is your home. We welcome you back if that's you today. It's never too late to come back and you can never come back too many times. I'm just gonna tell you right now. Come home, come home today. And if you're hearing this gospel message and you feel the spirit of God tugging on your heart, don't leave, please don't leave. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed that we're gonna go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow morning for our soon and coming king could come like a thief in the night. There's not one prophecy waiting to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church takes place. It's just God waiting till his time that we could harvest a few more before he come, that we could go out and work the fields a couple more nights while there's still time that's you here today and you say I want to give my life to Christ and I'm not turning back this time I'm not and I'm going to make it stick then today is your day in this church today is your day we're going to help you get discipled we're going to help you learn of the things of God and we're going to teach you to be a rescuer it's one of our values here we use our faith that others might be saved 
Don't let this moment pass you by. Is there anyone, anyone under the sound of my voice that needs to make it right? Is there anyone? Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah, come, come, hallelujah. Welcome to the kingdom. Wait a minute, were you down here last, what? You were here last week and you must have shared the gospel and now you're here. Welcome home, this is your church. Turn around, this is your family. This is both of your families. We love you, thank you, hallelujah. Well, welcome home, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you. Lord, we thank you for this soul, Father, that's been harvested today. Now just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you are the Son of God. Lead me. Guide me. Walk with me, Jesus. God knows I need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome to the family. Now, you're being discipled by Miss Annie? Yes, by Melanie. By Melanie. Mel, can you add another one? Welcome to the group. There you go. John and Nita are going to get some information from you guys real quick here, and then you're going to get with Melanie. Melanie texted me yesterday and let me know that the discipleship group, everyone was present yesterday. Amen. And this is the second week in a row that they are learning about the goodness of God and being discipled and made into followers of Christ. Hallelujah. Church, it's a good day. I love you. Let's pray and let's get you home and get you for lunch. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, watch over our people. We got more coming down. Hallelujah. Stop the service. We got time. I'm not being a hurry. I just want to stay in this place. Welcome to Jesus. Oh, this is her. I've heard a lot about this. Beautiful. Praise Jesus. God's got a plan bigger than you could ever create, sweetheart a plan bigger than you could ever muster in your mind. And I know you think how after all of this, but God says yes. God says yes to you. God says yes to every desire in your heart. He sees what you want, what you desire, and he says it is all possible with me. All of it's possible, dear. Mm. I spit Repeat after me. Father, Father I come to you today. And I say, I've been a sinner. I accept you. Forgive me. I turn from my ways. And I'm not going back. I give you everything this time. Help me. No more games. No more charades. I'm with you forever now. Do with me as you will. I am your clay, and you are the potter. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to talk to you both afterwards. Give me a little bit more. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? Anyone? All right, now I'm going to pray you home. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the beautiful, beautiful service today. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord that came forth. Now, God, I ask that as we go, send us, Jesus. For we pray for the harvest 
today, God, that our harvest didn't stop in church, but it continues all week through. And Father, we build your church and your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And we'll see you next.